I'm excited. I, I love thinking about heaven. Uh, we're working through the material that I've been uh, been planning and preparing for many years and that I'm writing uh, this summer in a book and uh, just be praying for that. Pray that God would bless that process. But I want to share some preliminary thoughts with you and, and just give you a sampler of the kind of things that I'm writing about in this book. It's neat. It's kind of a behind the scenes of, oh, yeah. uh, of the book, the writing process, where where you're at with this material. So it's encouraging, I think, yeah. for us to be blessed by what the Lord is showing you in his words. And it's not done being written yet. So you can still have an impact by some of your questions <laughs> and comments and all that. I'll be excited. That's great. Well, Andy, as we get started, just by way of review, can you give us a brief overview again of the premise of your book? Okay. Heaven is all about God's glory. And I think we're going to zero in tonight. It's about a display of God's glory that, that in heaven, uh, we are going to be swimming in a sea of light and beauty and just a display of the glory of God. And the glory of God is his uh, radiant display of his attributes, his perfections, his, his love, his mercy, his power, his wisdom, his patience, long suffering, all of those attributes put on display. And what I'm arguing in this book is that we are going to spend eternity in part looking backward at what happened in the first creation, the old order of things that has passed away, to actually look back at that and see what God did to redeem a multitude greater than anyone could count from every tribe, language, people, and nation, so that God's glorious, majestic actions in history will not be swept off into the dustbin of history that no one even knows about. And honestly, the overwhelming majority of God's redeemed know almost nothing about the overwhelming majority of God's mighty acts in history. So there's a lot to learn. So we're going to look back in time. We're going to look back, and God's going to be our history teacher. He's going to show us his own glory in that eternally glorious backward look. You know, as we talk to Andy, there's there's kind of two two facets to the conversation tonight that we want to mm -hmm. look at. And you mentioned uh, one being that backward look. Mm -hmm. uh, but then also, I think uh, last week, kind of maybe tying in a little bit to our discussion, uh, is this idea of love. And mm -hmm. as we talked last week about being prepared for glory, how God mm -hmm. will prepare each saint for glory, one of the greatest challenges, I, mm -hmm. I think, will be perfecting us in love. Mm -hmm. And a key text, if you wouldn't mind me yeah. reading this, uh, is in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 8 through 13. Hmm. And it says this, Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. Hmm. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. How do these verses, how do these verses color your understanding of heaven? Oh, so many ways, so many ways. Um, let's go to the very end. Uh, these three remain faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. First of all, of those three, only one of them will be in heaven. Hmm. We won't need faith in heaven. We won't need hope in heaven. There's actually openly a verse about the second who hopes for what he already has. So in, Ro in Romans 8, it says that. So we will not be hoping in heaven because we'll already be there. Hmm. And we don't need faith because faith always has to do with things not seen. And we are going to see it in heaven. So we'll be done with faith. But love will still be there. And so the greatest of all of these is love. And the only permanent of them is love. 
Also, the more you understand 1 Corinthians 13 and indeed the work of the gospel, we see that God's saving work toward us really could be couched in the language of love. Mm -hmm. God is making us, transforming us from being dead in our transgressions and sins to being perfect in love, vertically for God, perfect in love for God, and perfect in love horizontally for others. That we're going to love the saints in heaven and we're going to love God perfectly. And so that's part of it, but there's more. Paul seems to talk about the spiritual gifts there and uh, all of them, the gift of knowledge, the gift of prophecy, the gift of tongues, all of these things are sources of information and avenues or conduits of God's gracious work in the body of Christ to perfect it and work in it here on this earth, mm -hmm. spiritual gifts. He's saying they're all going to pass away. They're all going to end. And not only that, but the source of information, namely prophecy, we prophesy in part, we only get part of the picture, uh, we know in part, um, I would say we exegete in part, um, that frankly, even the word-based gifts and the scripture itself, the, the language of scripture, the actual physical experience of of black marks on a white page, of nouns and verbs and adjectives and syntax and, and linear reading from, from sentence one to sentence eight to sentence 30. That, all of that is like seeing through a glass darkly. Mm. It's, it's like baby talk compared to the fully mature knowledge we're gonna have in heaven. So the most educated theologian, the most accurate exegete, anyone who's even memorized all 66 books of the Bible and understands them properly, all of that's like baby talk compared to the upgrade we're getting in heaven of our knowledge of God's glory. Wow. What do you think about that? That's just incredible. It's incredible to think about uh, that even, even, like you said, the most educated, the most well-spoken, the clearest articulation mm -hmm. of truths that we hold so dear yeah. will pale in comparison to what we'll experience right. in that day. That's amazing. And that's all, that's just the beginning. There's so much more I could say about First <laughs> Corinthians 13. I'm excited about it, but go ahead. For sure. Now, Jonathan Edwards, mm -hmm. he has a sermon called Heaven is a World of Love. Mm -hmm. How has that affected your oh. understanding of heaven in relation to this idea? First of, of all, let's just talk about Jonathan Edwards. He was the greatest of all the metaphysical divines, one person said, uh, the, to be able to ponder metaphysical things, theological things, spiritual things would be the way we would say more spiritual than metaphysical. It's not a word we use that often. Um, he was he was a very deep, logical, analytical, scientific, philosophical thinker. But he also just had a, a, an overwhelmingly strong, passionate love for Christ and for his people. Um, so he's just a guide I would commend to you. He's hard to understand. You read what he writes, he's hard to understand. But he actually preached 17 sermons from 1 Corinthians 13. 17. Wow. So there are what, 13 verses? You just read the final verse in the chapter. Yeah, eight, 8 through 13. 13. Yeah. So there's 13 verses, 17 sermons. Incredible. <laughs> but it's not a waste of time. You go through it and the final of those, the 17th of the of the 17, is just a meditation, meditation on what we just covered. Mm. And he just said, heaven is a world of love. Now, how has it affected me? It's hard to even, hard to even put into words uh, the number of ways. And by the way, you can get this for free online. It's public domain. You could just type in Jonathan Edwards in Google, heaven is a world of love, and you can just read it. It's amazing. So what are some things that Edwards says there? Well, first of all, just heaven is a world of love is we are going to be, you can almost picture yourself swimming in a sea of happiness 
and of love. And we're going to experience in intimacy and in closeness to God the love the Father has for the Son and the Son has for the Father. Jesus talked about it. The Father loves the Son and shows him all the things that he does. And then he says about himself, the world must learn that I love the Father and do everything he's commanded. So there are two statements in John's gospel. The Father loves me, I love the Father. We get to be up in heaven and just see that on display. The love the Father has for the Son. The perfect love the Father has for the Son. And the love that the Son has for the Father. It's emanating, it's flowing and reflowing. And there's emanations. There's a, a sense of dynamic, a dynamic heaven. I get it from Randy Alcorn, but it got it better from Jonathan Edwards. And, and not to disparage Randy Alcorn, because I loved his book. But Edwards is more precise and, and just so powerful. So there's this emanations of, of love. So you can picture almost like Revelation 22, which says that the river of the water of life flow clear as crystal from the throne down through the center of the city. All right, that's fascinating. Picture that as a river of love. And so flowing from the throne of God is just endless love that God has for his creation, for one another, that's the source of it. And there's this outflowing of love from the throne of God. And I'm not saying that that's what Revelation 22 is saying is true of the river of the water of life. I'm just saying picture that in terms of love, that love is just coming from God out to us. And not only that, but we will be caught up in it, perfected in love for God. We will have a perfect love for God. First and greatest commandment will be fulfilled at last. We will love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength. Perfectly love God vertically. But that's not all. The second great commandment will be fulfilled. We will love the saints with a perfect love. And once you start swimming in the, that world, the more you say like, wow, that's amazing. What that means is that we will have zero envy or jealousy. Love does not envy, it says, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. There's zero envy. We'll have no envy for other saints. Now you may say, well, why would we envy other saints? Because Edwards makes a, a clear biblical case that star differs from star and glory. Some of them will have more glory than us. Honestly, we will really truly believe that those that are higher in glory than us deserve to be higher in glory than us. Mm. We're glad. We're actually glad that they have greater glory than us. Mm. And we will have absolutely no jealousy or coldness or standoffishness toward the saints, no matter where they are. The differing in glory uh, will have to do with an experience of God. Everyone in heaven, all of the redeemed, the saints in heaven, will be filled with God, but different dimensions of that fullness, like different sizes of vessels, like a cup or a thimble. I don't know if there'll be any thimbles in the ocean of God in heaven, but, you know, a vat, a tank, an ocean tanker, just every one of those completely filled with God, but different dimensions, different sizes. Hmm. And so this just exploded my brain. I'm like, wow. Um, to, to realize there'll be people more greater than us in glory, and there will also be people lesser than us in glory. Probably. Hmm. Look, if I'm bringing up the rear, I won't <laughs> care. I'll be just glad to be there. And yeah. you need to meditate on that as how glad we'll be just to be there. Yeah. Everybody will be perfectly glad. But to be able to be there and to see those greater than us in glory and feel no envy, and to see those lesser than us in glory and feel no arrogance or boastfulness mm. toward them. Mm. Just a perfect love for each person there. One last thing, and this will be at the end of my book and I've also preached it here. Edwards believed that the size, the diameter of our vessel is tied to how we lived on earth. Mm. The measure you use on earth 
Here's the measure you'll receive in heaven. And so the more sacrificial, self-denying, cheerful service you give horizontally to others for the glory of God vertically, the bigger your dimensions of God's glory will be in heaven. So fundamentally, I asked in the sermon, how much heaven do you want? How much do you want to experience God in heaven? Live that way here on earth. I could keep going on heaven as a world of love, but the thoughts are explosive. Yeah, it's just amazing. We've, you know, we've talked before about the idea that God will bring to fulfillment in glorification what we've been striving and disciplining ourselves for uh, you know like the like Paul says to discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness that's necessary now but then to see God just complete all of that I was thinking about that in regards to loving God completely perfectly with with everything like we're supposed to God will accomplish that in that moment of glorification what a joy to not have that sense of arrogance, to see things the way God sees them. I yeah. think I think as we look at brothers and sisters as well, that's probably part of it is we just, we don't think. Mm. Our minds aren't conformed the way they should be mm. to the word of God, the mind of God, but they will be then. Mm. We'll be able to look and see with great love and joy uh, what he's accomplished in and through others and to celebrate that, which is pretty neat. Yeah, there are a few themes that I've meditated on that have had such an impact on my present outlook. Mm. Um, to be absolutely healed, cured of jealousy toward other pastors whose churches are better, bigger and more successful than mine, or writers whose books do better than mine, mm -hmm. or, or people who just achieve more. Honestly, missionaries who I just know are going to be higher than me in glory because of the level of their sacrifice, to not feel any jealousy over them at all, wow. to just be delighted in who they are. Uh, it's just a very powerful, powerful thing. Yeah, it's so helpful. So helpful. You know, in our discussions together, we've also talked about how important it is for things to come from Scripture, that we get everything from Scripture, not from speculation. So three questions that kind of come to mind. We've talked a little bit about that in that first week together. I think we talked about uh, some of the speculations and some of the dangers there. But if you can just remind us, um, how prevalent is speculation, particularly about heaven? Uh, what are some examples of that and why might that be damaging? Well, first of all, it's very prevalent. Um, just go into other religions. Um, mm. The Muslims speculate that heaven is uh, really a man's paradise, mm. you know, where he'll have, what, 70 or 99 virgins, you know, forever. It's like a big harem up there. And you picture him on some silk pillows eating grapes, you know, and all this. And, and you know, I, I don't mean to be disrespectful to the Islamic religion, except that I just think that everything that it asserts that's contrary to scripture is false. And that is not a, a view of uh, a biblical view of heaven. But it's not just that. We've got Eastern mysticism. You've got um, Buddhism and Hinduism that uh, teach about nirvana and the next world. That's just speculative. Um, they don't have anything from God on that. It's come. I actually believe all, all false religions are ultimately demonic in their origin. All of them. Paul says that the worship of idols are given to demons. And so they all come from that. So the false view that the Mormons have of heaven uh, is speculative. Uh, even the Native American happy hunting grounds or, or any kind of thoughts about heaven, Valhalla from the Viking uh, lore, all, all of these Elysium in the Roman days or the Greek days, um, all the, the speculations prevalent um, in the in the nominal Christian world, the kind of Bible beltish, uh, you know, post Christian world that we live in. There's a lot of speculation about heaven there as well. And a lot of um, people, even Christians, I think can be swept away by um, 
extra biblical speculations. And I think we, we've seen some of this mm-hmm. with the near-death experience movement, which you talked about the first week, but there's like a whole film. Was it the boy who uh, came back from heaven or something like that? Something like that. I don't remember. Sure the turned out to be a farce, um, but it has not stopped the industry of what one writer with Gospel Coalition called heavenly tourism. <laughs> um, so you're, you know, you're on this near death experience and then you come back and you had a tunnel of light, walk through it and all these things happen. You come back and look that those people actually had those experiences. I don't doubt, but I liken them to dreams that people have. They are no certain source of information. We need to get all of our, our, uh, our thoughts about the Bible from scripture, but I want to go beyond that now. I want to say, look, Simple, straight exegesis of this or that or the other passage will only bring you so far. Mm. What you need to do is to put concepts together from sound exegesis into a system of truth. And that process is called theology. That's what theology is. We take sound linguistic, historical, logical deductions from this or that text and mine from it certain preceptual truths. And then they're like the building blocks uh, that are in the periodic table of elements of the atoms that make up all the molecules in the universe. Mm. So we put two hydrogens together with an oxygen, you get water, okay? So, So it is with theology. And if you were to read Heaven as a World of Love, you're not gonna see any uncertain language from Edwards, though the assertions he makes are not clearly found in scripture Hmm. he's doing theology and he just makes strong assertions based on logical deductions i think we should do that when it comes to filling out our understanding of heaven i think that was helpful when you were describing kind of edward's methodology as well just walking through and saying if this then that and rooting that all in scripture so it's not that this is just some imagination of jonathan edwards he's he's Mm -hmm. rooting it in scripture but he is, like you said, he's putting he's gone together. beyond it. That's right. Well, let me give you an example. So here is here is an actual statement from heaven as a world of love. Um, those that are highest in glory and those that are highest in holiness and therefore are those that are most beloved by all the saints, for they are the most holy and they so all will rejoice the most in their being most happy. All shall have as much love as they desire. Hmm. These are all assertions. I can't find any of those in the Bible. You're not going to find any of the, you know, like first or, you know, third Thessalonians, whatever <laughs> says it doesn't. This is these are logical deductions from the fact that 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 love does not envy. Hmm. And if love does not envy, he's already found another way of saying that star will differ from star and glory. So not everybody equally glory. Therefore, there won't be any envy. He's putting it together like the like like the uh, like a chemist puts together atoms, and so we do that with theology. Yeah. Now, for all of that, for all the speculation that there is yeah. around uh, heaven mm-hmm. and our desire to root everything in Scripture, which I so appreciate in your ministry, mm-hmm. there is one chapter that may seem a bit speculative if Maybe. i can use that word I, think uh, I, know, I know where you're going yeah right. it's entitled if i if i may better than virtual reality how wow. god will not merely tell us the past but show it to us so how can we defend that idea scripture right. first of all it's 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 as far out as i want to go okay. in putting two and two together all right so that's why i call it, it seems like it might be speculative and frankly god may have other ways of doing it hmm. 
But here's, here's how I logically work it through. First of all, if we are going to, and it's already included in, in my title of the book, Eternally Glorious Backward Look. Mm. All right. But if God is going to reveal the past to us and we're going to learn things about the past, he's either going to tell it to us or show it to us. Mm. Basically, we'll get it through the eye or through the ear or both. And I would say either or. It's not either or, but both and. So then the question is, can God actually show us the past? And the answer is absolutely. God can do anything he wants. How could he show us the past? And that's where the idea of visionary time travel or visionary spirit travel came into my mind. Mm. Uh, the fact that often the prophets and apostles were elevated out of their immediate circumstances by visions of the spirit and transported to another place and even another time mm. to be able to see things that God wanted to show them. There are actually numbers of examples of this. So that's half of the equation. And I'll, I'll fill that in, in more. The other half is heaven is about seeing, not merely hearing. hearing. Mm. Earth is about hearing with faith, hearing by faith. We are justified by hearing the word of God with faith. That's how it comes. Faith comes by hearing, not seeing. Mm. And so uh, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Mm. Faith is about the invisible world. Faith is the eyesight of the soul for now. Mm. The eyesight of the soul in heaven will be eyesight. <laughs> It'll be seeing. Wow. And there are many verses that talk about this. First of all, just simply, seeing is better than hearing. Job said it. I've heard of you with the ear, but now my eyes have seen, and I repent and despise myself in sackcloth and ashes. So clearly, it's it's better to see than merely to hear. Mm -hmm. Now, you may ask, well, why did God justify us by faith through hearing? That was his choice. It was better for him to get it through the ear than, than through the eye. He just chose to do that. But science, uh, scientific researchers tell us that we get 83% of our information through our eyes. 11% through our ears, and then the other senses follow, down to 1.5% through the taste, I guess, something like that. I don't know. So Jesus himself said, if your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. If your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. The eye is the lamp of the body. Is that still true in heaven? Yes. Will our eyes be good in heaven? Oh, they'll be perfect. Then our whole bodies will be full of light. So we're seeing. What are we seeing? All right. First Corinthians 13 uh, says, now we see through a glass darkly, then we will see face to face. First John 3 says that we will be made like him. Why? For we will see him as he is. Mm. Heaven is a world of light that we will see. It will be filled with the light of the glory of God. It's all about seeing. Now it's just about hearing. Heaven's about seeing. Mm. So if God is going to teach us the past, why not show it to us? So that's how I kind of put this and that together. That there could be the possibility of some kind of visionary spirit travel that God will take us back in the past mm. to show us anything from the past. And so again, this is speculative because I have no Bible verse, but I already showed you from Edwards. He doesn't have any specific verse for that either. <laughs> Let me show you the verse that comes closest to what I think is going to happen. And that is the book of Revelation mm -hmm. and John, the apostle on the island of Patmos. He's physically there on the island of Patmos. 
And then he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And he, he, he sees a, a door standing open in heaven. And he hears the voice of the Lord saying, come up here and I'll show you what must take place after this. Hmm. The next verse says, at once I was in the spirit and I saw before me a throne in heaven with someone seated on it. He's, he's traveling from Patmos up in heaven. And God is going to show him what must take place after this, the future. The rest of the book of Revelation follows. It culminates in Revelation 21 and 22, which is home ground for my book, those two chapters on heaven. And the angel says to him, come, I'll show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And I saw the new Jerusalem descending out of heaven, glorious and radiant. So he goes ahead in time in the spirit to see the perfection of the church. Here's what I'm saying. Why couldn't we make the reverse trip to go back in time to see how the church was built, mm. to see how she was f formed, to see how a multitude greater than anyone could count from every tribe and language and people and nation, and I would add every era of church history, was rescued from the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the beloved son, redeemed and radiant, we already said in Revelation 7, the, one of the elders asked John, this multitude from every tribe, who are they and where mm. do they come from? Why couldn't God show us, show us the answer to that question? Yeah. Show it to us, not just tell it. Mm. Now look, if we get around the campfire like at, at Bible camp, and it's just testimony night or day, because there's no night in heaven, but <laughs> forever testimony, and we hear the story from Abraham, and everybody's just better than Chrysostom, the golden mouth, able to put it into perfect words in heaven, we'll all be happy. Sure. We'll hear some great stories. <laughs> but wouldn't it be better to see it rather than hear it? Isn't a picture worth a thousand words? And 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 think about videos. Think about, about streaming these days. You know, we got Zoom meetings going on. We're live streaming worship during COVID-19. Um, you know, we know that to hear a verbal description of the Grand Canyon doesn't compare with seeing an IMAX <laughs> helicopter ride through it. Yeah. God can do better than the IMAX ride. And I actually think the, the most vividly real video streaming there is these days is something called virtual reality, VR. Mm -hmm. I've never done it. You say you've never done it. Mm -hmm. But you, have you ever seen like these goggles that people wear and they even like sometimes have a hand, gloves so that you can fight like in a battle or whatever. Honestly, this is serious business. Uh, the U.S. military, the, the Air Force uses it to train fighter pilots mm -hmm. so that they're not endangering their lives or a jet worth half a billion dollars. So you can learn how to do that barrel roll or that, or, or you can even practice for a dangerous mission in virtual reality before you actually go do it. Yeah. People use it mostly for gaming these days. I was reading one account in uh, uh, online of a guy who was talking about... Um, uh, HTV Vive, I think it was something like that. This is back in 2015. Things have gotten even more vivid now. But he actually was in this virtual world. He was a diver on the, the deck of a ship. And the world that surrounded him was, was crystal blue. And a, and a whale went over his head. Uh, you know, he thought 50, 75 feet above. And it was just, he was blown away with the reality of it. And he said, he actually had this thought, I could live here. But little by little, he grew tired of the system because it does weird things to your brain. Mm -hmm. Your eye has trouble focusing on something that close to its, to the, to the lens of your eye, um, but actually 
seeming like it's far away. It actually can give you headaches. The thing makes you sweaty. After a while, you, you're just done. It's hard. Okay. Here's the thing. Anything man can do, God can do infinitely better. Yeah. Is there not evidence of some of these visionary travel that are so real that people don't even know if, if they're there or not? Yeah. I mean, we talked about the example of Paul who even says, right, whether I was in, in the, the body, body or out of the body, I don't, I don't know. know. God knows. It's that real. Hmm. Peter had a vision of a sheet let down from heaven and heard a voice from heaven saying, get up, Peter, kill and eat. A couple of chapters later, he actually is literally physically delivered from prison by an angel. But he just thought he was seeing a vision. <laughs> so you put two and two together, the visions are just that real. Yeah. So my feeling is, imagine, Wes, I mean, forget the the deck of a of a wreck down in the Caribbean mm -hmm. with a blue whale going over. Imagine the Red Sea crossing. Imagine going with Israel to see the water walling up on the right and the left and the pillar of fire going ahead of you. Mm. And what it felt like to be there or creation itself. When God said, let there be light. When God formed and separated the water and be able to watch that. Mm. For God to be able to put that on display Rather than just tell us God created the heavens and the earth, we've heard that our whole Christian lives. But for him to show us his glory and the time of the, the flood of Noah and how God rescued and remembered Noah and protected him, all the things in the Bible. Then beyond that, stuff that's not in the Bible. Hmm. Like keep the camera rolling, all right? The Syrophoenician woman, right? Sure. Jesus drives the demon out from her daughter and she goes home, I guess, to see her. End of story for her. We don't see her again in the Bible. What happened? Yeah. Let's see them hug. Yeah. Who'd she tell? Maybe about? both of both of them, we hope, both of them are in heaven. Right. For them to tell a story, let me tell you the effect that I had on that region of the world. Because in the book of Acts, there actually is a church in that area. Hmm. There's more stuff to tell, more stuff to see. Yeah. So the idea of God actually showing it to us in it with with such vividness then think about the martyrs think about jim and elizabeth elliot think about going with elizabeth elliot and the other wives and then other missionaries that came in uh with the horani uh leading them to christ being able to be there to see how the gospel made its way into china during the era of the nestorians and to see the courage that they showed you know uh later when genghis khan swept through mm. And, and some people witnessed and shared the gospel for the city was raised and destroyed by the Mongols. But some people were, were rescued by some Christians that were there before they all died. I mean, just the stories. And to be able to see it, brother, to be able to see it, it's so powerful. Um, so do I think this is going to happen? I don't know. <laughs> but I have to imagine it's going to be at least that good or better. Yeah. I don't see God just merely telling us because heaven seems to be about seeing it. Well, and you think, you know, as you were describing that, I think about, uh, you know, let's say a child learning history. We've mm -hmm. talked about history even yeah. uh, in recent weeks. You think about history, there's something different about reading a book yeah. and then watching maybe a documentary or uh, let's say a war movie sure. and, and seeing and saying, wow, that was way different than I imagined or what was created in my mind when I heard those words or I read those words. Yeah. So to be able to see and say, oh my mm -hmm. goodness, that's what it was like. That's what it was like mm -hmm. to see that first member of that tribe come to faith mm -hmm. in Christ. That's what it was like to experience those things. What an incredible 
gift that would be. And, and I love that idea of seeing the radiant display of God's glory. Yeah. God's attributes on display. Yeah. And, and how that's that's true. That God is displaying his grace, his goodness, yeah. his mercy, his justice sure. throughout history. Let me root it also um, in some more scripture. Sure. I always try to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's Ephesians 2.7. And Ephesians 2.7 says, in order that in the coming ages he might show hmm. the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness in Christ Jesus. Endeknumi is the Greek word. It means to put on display hmm. or to give evidence of. To show means to, to show it so that we can see how gracious he was to yeah. us yeah. in the coming ages. For, for him to put that on display. It's like, let me show you John Newton, the slave trader. And let's follow his story hmm. and let me show you what he was and then what he became and then how I used him. I mean, Billy Graham, just place after place, city after city, the Los Angeles crusade, the New York Times. I mean, not New York Times, Times Square in New York when he's preaching there in the 1950s, 10,000, 15,000 people. And and just zero in on one. I want to see that guy about 100 rows back and right kind of in the center. Let me tell you his story. Hmm. Let me tell you what I did in him when he went home and the impact he had on his wife and his kids and then how his life changed. There's so many stories to tell. It, it never ends. It just never ends. Like, all right, all right, there's that guy. What about the guy like eight people over from him? All right, let's follow his story. Amazing. Hmm. So That is amazing. Now, as you've looked at this, meditated on these things, do you think, do you think this is time travel or, or something different? No, it can't be tra- time travel. I mean, we'll just say that out of the box. Time is linear, right? Jesus said, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and last, the beginning and the end. And we'll be in the new heaven, new earth. That old order of things has passed away. It's gone. It's never coming back. Mm. No, I mean putting visions in our mind. Um, you know, the new Jerusalem wasn't there in the first century when, when, um, when John saw it. It didn't exist yet. So all I'm saying is if God can put such a vivid vivid vision of the New Jerusalem in the Apostle John's mind, so that he then wrote it down in the seeing through a glass darkly way that we have, which is the book of Revelation, you know, um, why couldn't he show us uh, looking back? So no, I don't think time travel is possible. I think it, it's a different uh way of looking at the universe than the Bible gives. I think it's contrary to the Bible, like the multiverse thing that mm-hmm. like you can travel through a wormhole to some other universe, just like I, it's just, it's not a biblical way of looking at it. Time is linear, but God's power with vision is so, so um, he is so able through, um, through visions that it will feel like that to us to be able to, to go from here to a, another, another time. Actually, ironically, one of the best, descriptions of it that I found is in A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. Okay. And he wasn't trying to do anything like what I was doing. You remember the ghost of Christmas past? Mm-hmm. And he was able to bring him back to the past. He wasn't time traveling. Uh, it was just, um, he called shadows of what has been. You can't mm-hmm. interact with him. You can't change the story, but just is what happened. Mm-hmm. So um, do I think it actually will happen this way? I don't know. Um, but no, I, I reject out of hand and completely the idea of actual time travel. I'm just saying, you know, John didn't do time travel either. The New Jerusalem didn't exist yet. Hmm. The vision came from the mind of God into the mind of John. Wow. Wow. There's so much there. You can just meditate on that for forever. Okay, let me let me since we're at this right now. All right. I just finished working on, we'll talk about this in God willing in future weeks. Angels and demons. 
angelic warfare, hmm. protection, demonic activity. Hmm. We can't see it. It's hidden from us because we can't handle it. Imagine going back. And Martin Luther said, this is really interesting. He went to the Diet of Arms where he stood for the gospel against the Roman Catholic authorities at the risk of his life. Hmm. And this is what he said. He wrote this in a letter to a friend. I would go, though there are as many devils in bombs as there are tiles on the rooftops. Well, what if there were? Wow. And, and not only that, but he then spent the first night there. He could not give an answer to the authorities that asked him if he was going to recant or not. He could not give an answer. And he said, give me a night to pray. I wonder what kind of spiritual warfare went on when he wrestled through all of that that night of prayer. And the next morning, mm. boldly said, here I stand. I can do no other. So help me God. Courageously standing. All right. Uh, wouldn't you like to see how the angels and demons battled? How Luther stood? How the Holy Spirit strengthened him? Spiritual warfare in the heavenly realms. I don't want to see it now. Mm. I don't want to see it now. Yeah. Imagine if, if, if an angel woke you up and said, there's 20 of us assigned to you today and you're going to need them. So get up out of bed and whatever. And these are the most glorious, powerful beings you've ever seen. Yeah. So powerful that in Daniel 10, Daniel's on the ground, can't breathe. And you have to, and then in come the demons trying to get at you. And they're every bit as strong and powerful as the angels. They roughly battle on equal terms, it seems, in the book of Daniel. I don't want to see that. I'd be on the ground. I couldn't do anything. <laughs> right. right. Like, well, I thought that was bad. I can't even accomplish the things I needed to do. Exactly. Wow. So, but in heaven would be beyond all that. The mm -hmm. demons will all be in hell. Angels will be there. Fellow servants with us. Let's see what God did mm -hmm. to, uh, you know how it says in, in Hebrews 13, verse two, some have entertained angels without knowing it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, think about, you know, the fact that, Hebrews 1 says that are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who inherit salvation. So here's my point. We'll get into all that in the future, but uh, God willing. But to be able to see it, not merely hear about it. we're gonna, we're, And then what will happen is we'll have a sense of the magnitude of Satan and his power and the demons and their power. And God is infinitely above him. We are going to then realize that the angels and demons together, all of them, and all their power and humans are as nothing compared to the infinite majesty of God. The purpose of all of this, of the whole backward look, is to glorify God and worship Him. Mm. That's why He's going to show it to us. So we will have a sense of the greatness of God. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I think as we meditate on these truths and as we think about what heaven will be like, even even whether we'll see or hear, whatever whatever the case may be, as we think about these things, I think I think it for me has had a dramatic impact and you mentioned a little bit just the impact on our lives now like the way we look at brothers and sisters the way we think about god himself and how he is working uh throughout history and in our own lives as well how how specifically can this concept help us live our lives now for the glory of god all right. Um, well, let me take the first part, which is heaven as a world of love has been incredibly helpful to help me with that. But in terms of the visionary uh, aspect of it, I think it's just going, it, it gives us a sense that our, our greatest immersion in the glory of God is yet to come. We are going to learn things about God we, we can't even begin to imagine. And that's awesome. That's just awesome. I had an experience um, in January. My mother died on January 1st, 
and then we went to her Cape House. That was the last repository of the artifacts of my childhood and of my life. Um, mostly at that point, um, they were down to a ton of photographs that my mother and father had collected over the years. And I had effectively 90 minutes to go through the boxes and choose out some of those pictures. And just the fact that my mother had died, um, you know, there comes a point you say goodbye to all of your artifacts and mementos and your pictures and all of that stuff. And just you're set free from that. And you just can't hold on to that anymore. You know, people have said in a fire, if you could get everyone safely out and, you know, whatever, what would you go back and get? So many people say photographs. So go back and get, because it's it. There's only, only pictures you have of mm. your grandfather of, or of that occasion, right? Don't worry about all that. Let it go. Let goods and kindred go. This mortal life also. Don't hold on. Just let it go. Because you're going to see a better rendition of it, right? Mm. That's sweet. <laughs> I think about all the things that we hold on to so tightly because we're scared to let go. You know, and, and thinking about the things that have value in this life. And when we put those in perspective, in light of all that God is actually doing in our lives, it's just helpful. It's helpful to recognize that there is nothing else that will satisfy us like him yep. and, and his perspective on the good gifts he has given us. That's good. Well, Andy, any final thoughts for us? And then would love, um, if not for you to pray to close us out, but any final thoughts as we think about this topic? Obviously, many. Yeah, obviously you've been <laughs> meditating on this, this many. general topic. Oh, so I'm goodness. sure there's a ton more. It but never, it never <laughs> ends. I, I just keep, I mean, I don't know how I'm going to keep this book to the limit that Baker wants me to a certain number <laughs> of words. Oh my goodness. So not, not anymore. I just want to pray. Mm -hmm. Lord, thank you for this time with Wes. I thank you for uh, this ministry, the opportunity we have. This one idea, namely that in heaven we will look back and learn the glory of God, has been one of the most explosive, interesting, fascinating ideas that I've ever had. And it's been liberating. I pray that it would be liberating similarly to my brothers and sisters in Christ. I thank you for Wes. Uh, thank you for his gifts and his ministry. And so that together we can kick these things mm -hmm. around and talk about them. And I pray that the people would be able to watch uh, this video when it uh, gets posted so that we can be an encouragement. Uh, in any case, Lord, we know that the most glorious displays are yet to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from twojourneys.org. Feel free to use and share this content to spread the knowledge of God and build his kingdom. Only we ask that you do so for non-commercial purposes and in accordance with the copyright policy found at twojourneys.org. Two Journeys exists to help Christians make progress in the two journeys of the Christian life, the internal journey of sanctification and the external journey of gospel advancement. We do this by exporting biblical teaching for the good of Christ's church and for the glory of God.